Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's a Tuesday afternoon. Rob Gray just got back from Ames. I didn't make it up. I've been feeling a little under the weather here uh, today, mostly kind of yesterday, but uh, hoping to get Betty Redder, man, hoping to learn how to talk for one thing, but uh, also learning how, hoping to get back on the mend in time to cover Saturday's game, uh, Iowa State and Oklahoma State up in Ames. Uh, the only team that has beat Iowa State during the month of October in the last four years, the only team to beat Brock Purdy at Jack Trice Stadium, the only Big 12 team, excuse me, to beat Brock Purdy at Jack Trice Stadium. Uh, Rob Gray, it sounds like uh, everybody's excited for what should be a huge game on Saturday in Ames. And uh, obviously a ton of respect from the Iowa State side for everything that, that Oklahoma State does. And, you know, I know that Coach Campbell, uh, there was the question today about his conversations with Coach Gundy. It sounds like he really enjoys uh, getting a chance to, to talk to, to him. Talk to the mullet, man. Yeah, yeah. It, it must be an entertaining uh, conversation, I'd imagine. But, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State, the thorn in the side. I mean, I, it, ironically enough, it also the team that, that Brock Purdy became Brock Purdy, you know, and and, and in that huge comeback win where he, repl- where he replaced Zeb Nolan, who would eventually transfer to North Dakota State, and now he's at South Carolina State as the grad assistant. And then he just – pulled off a big comeback win against Vandy for the Gamecocks last weekend. So uh, interesting, uh, interesting storylines all around. But I think Brock is one of the big ones because I asked him about probably how many times he's been asked about that first game. Obviously he was asked the next week, then he'd he'd be asked every successive game against Oklahoma state and probably some other times. He said, yeah, yeah, that's a lot. He said, but it is, he said, he said, it's one where people are like, man, that, I think that's the best game you've ever played. And then I think um, Travis Hines of the register said, boy, that's not a lot of respect. Is there, is it? And it is obviously it's a joke. And Brock's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've, I think I've pulled out some good ones since then, but uh, you know, just the difference, the, the way he looked back that his big takeaway, when he looks back at it, he said, he looks back on it quite a bit just to see what he was like, his demeanor, because he just said there was a joy and a fire and a passion for the game. And he's been very upfront uh, the last few seasons at times he's kind of pressed and, and, and that joy has left him a little bit while he's trying to be perfect and trying to think, you know, what, what is it? He would say the weight of the world is on his shoulders. So it's interesting how his, what that game means has evolved as he has evolved so I'll probably center my advance kind of around that a little bit, you know, uh, but, um, you know, just really interesting perspective there. And again, an Oklahoma state team, that's always there. 
that's always solid. Right now, I think they're playing really good complementary football. I mean, we saw the offense. Defense did what it needed to do against Texas, and the offense just started humming them when he needed to down the stretch. And we've seen the defense kind of carry him when they told Baylor to two touchdowns earlier, a few weeks earlier. So undefeated team, Iowa State's favored. Uh, going to be an interesting matchup, but it, it's never a uh, – there's never a dull moment when these two teams get together. It has been interesting to watch the kind of evolution of Oklahoma state football over the last decade where, you know, back in 2011, you think about that game, the obviously so memorable and we remember it well with our, our good friend, Jeff Woody here at Cyclone fanatic, but, uh, to see them go from that with their high flying offense and the getting up and down the field and playing fast to where now, you know, like you mentioned, they play that complimentary style of football. They're a lot more defensive centric, uh, you know, really want to run the ball. Uh, but even then, I mean, Spencer Sanders is someone who has been, you know, really good for Oklahoma state the last several years. And uh, you know, I know coach Campbell had some really, uh, really good things to say about him today. Uh, just, uh, it's just interesting to see how Mike Gundy has evolved. I mean, he's been there so long, you kind of have to be willing to evolve, but, uh, it's crazy to see someone go from one end of the spectrum to the other, like he has done in the last decade. Yeah, it's interesting. I think, I think the Cyclones have had a lot to do with the evolution of the big 12, starting with John Haycock's adjustment in the three, three, five stack a few years back and they proved that you can do a lot by just being really sound defensively, um, taking what you can get offensively. And then you had Matt rule at Baylor kind of set defense as, as, as the standard. I know, I know they don't say one group's more important. Coach Campbell doesn't say mm-hmm. that. Nobody says that, but it, it certainly set a tone. The, the improvement I think started from that, from that point as the program has been built to these, this unprecedented level in the last four plus seasons. So, um, but Oklahoma state has done that. You're right. When they were playing, you know, when Brandon Whedon was leading, I'm sure the nation's leading offense, number two team in the country at the time. And the Cyclones were able to turn them over. I mean, they've always had dudes on defense, but what they would rely on when they're doing the, minute and 45 second scoring drives is to turn in the other team over a lot. And, and I think we're seeing, you know, the drives take longer, you know, that's, that's less important uh, and, and all that. But uh, yeah, it, it, it is a far cry from those teams that it was kind of like they were hanging up crooked numbers every single week. And, and now they're grinding out 24, 14 wins or Brick Baylor grinding out some relatively low scoring games, even in the non-conference schedule. And, and again, I think I, I, I think Iowa State has, has had a lot to do, and I think naturally it was going to happen too. I mean, everything aerated, everything spread, everything so fast. Eventually, it had to come back to the mean a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it was unsustainable eventually because they they they'd run into programs even at least in bowl games or in the college football playoff that play a bit more traditional style and and have just as good of players and play that style better. And, you know, we've seen what Oklahoma has done in the playoff in, in, in recent years and when they've got there. So, um, you know, it, it was going to, it was going to change back, but uh, yeah, it's interesting to, to see it like this. Well, we've also seen, even as that started to change, we had the 49, 42 game, uh, you know, the Marchie Murdoch, was it a catch? Was it an interception? Of course it was called an interception back in the day. Like I said, just, these games are always tight. They're always closely contested. And usually what you think is going to happen uh, more things happen that you don't expect than, than things that you do expect. 
I think the thing that's good for Iowa State is that they probably come into this game much more solidified as a team than what they have uh, the past several times. Uh, the 2019 season, I think that was maybe the last game in the month of October, but that team was just so much different just with, I mean, all the new pieces and things like that. You know, you'd had to replace David and Hakeem. Like that team was really up and down, you know, as, as I'm sure most people remember. But uh, last year, you know, you play them – I want to say in the first conference game of the year after the game against Louisiana, or maybe not the first conference game, uh, one of the first couple ones, but uh, yeah, early. yeah early, it was early in conference. But what were they one in one in conference play? Is that right? I believe so. I'd have to look it up, but that sounds about right. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, but, you know, there were still a lot of questions, I think, and things that still needed to be, you know, figured out for, for what that team was eventually going to become. And, you know, by the end of the year, I think that if you would have lined those two teams up, Iowa State probably would have would have won the football game. But, uh, you know, right now, just with how we've seen Iowa State come together throughout this season, you know, you're healthy as you've probably been all year with, you know, Brees obviously being at full strength. I'm, I'm going to bring up a point about him in just a minute. But, uh, you know, you've got Charlie Kohler back to full strength. you got Sean Shaw back, who Matt Campbell said might have been the MVP of, of the game against Kansas State and uh, and just numerous others where, you know, Iowa State knows who they are at this point. I think it was a lot closer to knowing who they are than they have been going into this game uh, the past couple of years. Yeah, and, and a quick uh, correction to both of us there. They were actually three and one in the league. Oh, okay. So it was they, later than I thought it was. They won ECU by three. Oklahoma was right after that, and mm -hmm. Hal held on for that seven point win. Went to Tech, really dominated that game. Only won by sixteen, and then there it is. But it, you're, they're still trying to figure out who they are, and and that year was so weird because you get that game at the beginning. Now we have a little bit more explanation beyond Charlie Kohler being out. So many guys dinged with the, you know, COVID injuries, all this stuff that, that left pretty depleted coming into that game, but what a weird start to the season. And yeah, then you run into Oklahoma state, have chances, you lose 24, 21, again, indicative of that. Hey, you, you can play a, you know, grind it out type of type of style and, and win. And the Cowboys were able to escape in that one, but uh, you know, it's, it's I, yeah. yeah Iowa state I, still would have won the game if they could have made two field goals. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And yeah, I mean, at the time, both top 20, Oklahoma state was number six at the time. And I mean, the Cyclones were, um, Oklahoma state know. was in the driver's seat to win the big 12 at that point. Yeah. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. And, uh, yeah. Iowa state struggled a little bit in the, in the, in the passing game. Didn't put up a whole lot of yards. He'd get a TD pass for Brock, but that just, a kind of a weird game, but yeah. such a weird, season and i guess all of them are weird but last year was especially weird for obvious reasons and, and hey best ever too heading <laughs> in a new year six bowl win over oregon so right you never know but but back to your point this team does feel really solidified and i think what they were doing in the locker room as we were curling around that little building to be in the little room where we do the interviews after the win at Kansas state on saturday the mevis 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 chant you know for kicker andrew mevis and just those guys, so many guys contributing five different guys on, on, on third down, which I wrote about in, in that 10 minute drive. And they're, they're at a spot where I think trust is at an all time high. And I think it's always been high. And it's one of the reasons that, that Campbell's got them on this tremendous run. Um, but it, there's, there's something. And then, you know, they've taken care of the ball recently too. So hopefully that trend continues. Cause I, I think, 
Oklahoma State's still pretty good in that in in that phase. And and as long as Cyclists can play clean, I I, I really feel good about their chances on Saturday. All right, then I I said the thing about Brees, and obviously we've talked a lot about how back you know being back to full strength. We talked Jeff Woody and I talked about that on on football and random things yesterday. But uh, I thought it was interesting. I ran some numbers today. And, you know, with his pace, the last four games, 152 yards per uh, yards per game, if he maintained that pace through the rest of the season, he would end the regular season with 4,132 yards uh, in his career rushing. And then if he could keep that through a, you know, if they can make a big 12 title game and then go to a bowl game, he would pass Troy Davis as the program's all time leading rusher. And man, like I never thought that that record would even really come close to being threatened and to have seen Brees do it. You know, I know Troy did it in basically two seasons, but Brees will come close to it in in more or less two, you know, two and a half seasons. Uh, Unbelievably impressive. And I mean, you've probably got more context of, of what Troy meant in that situation. Like how surprising is that to you to even see where Brees could even, you know, get within shouting distance of doing that. Well, it was both. The, it, 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 what what Troy Davis did was astonishing for two reasons. Everyone knew that he was pretty much all they had, and so they it, 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 so they tried to take him away a lot, and they couldn't. But unfortunately for Iowa State, those, those weren't very successful teams because they were there were deficiencies in other areas. Mm-hmm. Um, he was incredible at making something huge out of seemingly nothing. And I think we've seen that Brees can be that way too. I mean, we hadn't seen it a whole lot. How many, how many did he almost break uh, before the Kansas state game? First play of the game, boom, 75 yard touchdown run. Uh, I mean, he is, he is epitomizing that getting better as the season uh, wears on. And, and gosh, you think about some of those, your two string tackles that, that prevented him from either taking it to the house or 30, 40, 50 yard gains in some of the earlier games. And you're looking at even more eye popping numbers. Uh, couldn't be more impressed with, with what he's done. And yeah, I mean, that's a tough pace to keep up. Um, but uh, very interesting. And uh, I think telling for just what a great back, what a great cyclone Brees Hall has been that, that, that he's got even at the, as you said, an opportunity to do that is, 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 uh, is pretty mind blowing. All right, buddy. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you again here later on in the week. You said you're going to focus your advance on, on Brock. What else are you going to have? Uh, what are you gonna have for today coming out of your notebook? I'm going to have a little bit, uh, I, I asked Campbell about how, how did the Mevis chant chart uh, start since that, that was kind of the centerpiece of my, my column after the game uh, to compliment yours about Brees. <coughs> excuse me. And, um, couple, <coughs> excuse me, a couple other tidbits. Um, Mike Rose was really good in that game. And Campbell said a lot about just why he's so good. Um, you know, all, all the typical little elements, but I'm going to focus on just, the fact that they overcame adversity on that 10 minute drive, it was a, it was a hold. I think I, I remembered his false start, but a hold that put him second and 17 and, and, and boom, they get it back just like that, you know, and then convert all those third downs and that this team were that type of hold would have met, been a backbreaker for that type mm-hmm. of drive. Um, and now it's just, Hey, we roll with it. Uh, it shows pretty astonishing growth and, and shows what Campbell demonstrates what Campbell says about adversity. You're going to face it all the time. And it's all about your response to it. And, and earlier in the season, they, they didn't respond well enough. And now they're responding exceedingly well. And, um, you know, 
again, all those tidbits and, and then Brock down the road and, and we'll see what else we got this week. All right. Keep, uh, keep an eye out for that on the Cyclone Fanatic homepage. He's Rob Gray, Cyclone Fanatic senior writer. We're going to toss it off to Coach Campbell and his weekly press conference right now here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. All right, guys, uh, you know, we'll get going, obviously, you know, a lot of respect for our opponent we play this week, you know, really talented team, a team that's playing really good football and, and certainly will be a great challenge for us. So, you know, with that said, well, questions you got for me. Matt, over the, the last few years, what's what's been the difference between Oklahoma State football and Iowa State football? Jeez, you know, I, that's probably a great question. I don't know if I, I'd have to probably really think about it, you know, but I, I just think for for us, the respect factor we have for, you know, Coach Gundy, for their team, you know, I think very talented in the skill positions, very talented um, on the defensive side of the football, I think have really become the one of the standards on the defensive side of the football in our conference. And I think for years has been the standard on offense. So um, really well-coached football team that we have a lot of respect for. What do you have to do to be successful on Saturday? I guess. Yeah, you know, I, I think for us, the, finding a rhythm, you know, I, I think at times, you know, when I reflect back to some of the games that we've played against them it's you know we've been able to find rhythm but not maybe enough rhythm to be able to win the game and you know when we've been able to win the game it's it's we've been able to find our rhythm long enough so um you know i think both teams will be searching for that in this football game just to piggyback on that is rhythm synonymous with consistency you think uh, you know, I, I, I don't think so because I think you can have consistent performance and still maybe not find, I mean, you, uh, the rhythm is so hard to get in college football because, man, you're asking three units to be playing almost at the at peak performance at the right time. And uh, finding that I think is really hard and can be really challenging. And so, you know, I, I think we, and then, you know, the situations of the game kind of dictate what that rhythm has to look like for you to be successful. So. You know, I, I don't think so. I, I think consistency certainly is part of it. But, um, you know, I think the, the ability to find the right rhythm to be able to give you the most success for the game is really important. And I think both teams, you know, when playing really well, have shown the ability to do that. How did the offensive line as a whole and Hufford individually grayed out on Saturday? Yeah, you know, I, I thought a really positive performance. You know, all five guys graded out as winning for us in terms of, you know, the great cheat. But, um, you know, Jared, not perfect. But, man, there was a lot of really great things that we saw from him. And I think really what what we're excited about with Jared is just, you know, the, the immediate growth that we saw. You know, I think that's really hard to ask him to immediately go out to tackle and play. Um, but, boy, he did a great job of it. And I, I think the best thing that he did was he was physical at the point of attack. So if he can continue to do those things and continue to improve, it will be really excited to see where he's at. I know you talked a little bit about it after the game, about how well he felt like he was playing. But could you go into it a little bit more? Because, you know, making that choice, you know, sit Sean, who obviously has been played a lot of football sure. for you guys couldn't have been easy I imagine no I, I don't think though any of those are easy especially when you have so much care and pride in the in the people that are playing for you and yet I you know the probably the guy that's the MVP of the game is probably Sean you know Sean's down there helping uh, Jared and our offensive line is almost like an assistant coach during the game and you know I, I think when you have that kind of buy-in value from your football team and you know I think that's what's really hard it's hard about our society it's certainly hard in football where you don't maybe get what you 
want, but you're doing what's in the best interest for the team. When you can have that buy-in from the top down, then I think it gives you a real chance. And um, you know, we're really fortunate that that we have that kind of leadership from the top down. That um, maybe sometimes you're not always getting what you directly want, or maybe that serves you the best. But what you're doing is in the best interest of the team for the time being. Brock Purdy has been incredibly efficient this season, I guess, outside of the Iowa game. But you talk a lot about mastery of an offense. How close is he to mastering your offense? Or I guess, has he mastered your offense? Yeah, you know, I, I think we're always chasing mastery. You know, I, I don't think that's ever a finality. I think that's a constant chase. And um, I think what you're seeing is, is veteranness. I think you're seeing poise, um, you know, and I, I certainly think there's consistency there right now from him. And, um, you know, I think though that's evolving and, and I think you're challenged with that every week because the uniqueness of the the defenses and kind of like we were talking about the the how the game flows really especially at the quarterback position demands different mastery and different skills to start to to show up and so um, you know there's just so much to that at the quarterback position but I think Brock is continuing to grow and evolve and just been really proud of his efficiency and I think the word you use there is really good he's been really efficient. What's it say about him that he is able to be that efficient with so many different things coming at him? Well, I think it says a lot about him. You know, I, I, he's played a lot of football. You know, I, I don't know how many starts, but I, I know Beaner was talking to me a little bit about it. That there's a lot of starts that, you know, Brock has been able to play and see different things, and you know, he's going to see a lot of different things this week again. You know, this is, I think, one of the credits to Oklahoma State is they're so multiple and they give you so many variations in their look um, that it can be a real challenge to the quarterback. So, um, you know, I, I just think that those are things that that you hope a, a fourth year senior that started a lot of football games the evolution of him starts to find consistency in those areas you talked about their multiplicity I'm curious what's allowed them to be so successful on third down and get off the field yeah, I think it's it starts with them winning on first down, and you know I think they're here. You're talking about man, there's there's so many guys on this defense. It's like man, I feel like they've been there 15 years. You know, on this defense, it's like names and numbers that it's like geez, and you know I, I think that allows them. You talk about mastery on the other side of it. I feel like there's a great sense of mastery of of knowing exactly where they need to fit, where they need to be, um, and I think it allows them to have a, a ton of success. But I think when you really look at it, yeah their success shows up on third down, but getting teams into third and long situations, getting them into situations that were advantageous for their defense to be successful, they do a great job of that. What will it take to get out of those negative yardage plays first, second down for you guys? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I think probably efficiency. You know, I think those are, you know, we're talking about all the same things. It's not rocket science. I think you got to be efficient with the football. I think you got to do a great job of finding positive gains. And, and you know, we're going to have to do a great job of finding some of that rhythm for us offensively. Uh, Jalen Knoll had a pretty good game on Saturday leading the team in receiving yards. I just was curious, what did you see from him in, in practice and how does he build off of this win? Yeah, you know, I, I think Jalen, we've talked a lot about him even in the preseason. I, I think his his January, February, March, April, May, June, and July have really allowed him to be very confident going into the season for a freshman. I think he's a guy that has continued to elevate his play in practice, which has allowed him to really get an opportunity when the opportunity came 
came his way to kind of be the guy on Saturday night, um, he was able to really do a great job of taking advantage of that opportunity. And, you know, I think the flow of the game, I think some of the situations allowed him to be a huge asset. And I think those are all positives because I think it gives us continued trust and his teammates continued trust around him as the season goes. And, you know, I think Jalen's one of those really consistent, talented young guys um, in our football program. We're really excited about him. Matt, how good was your linebacking core in that game on Saturday night? Yeah, you know, I, I really thought they were exceptional. Um, you know, I think there was a lot of stress on those guys in terms of horizontal football at times, um, as well as the ability as the game started going east and west in the third and fourth quarter started going north and south. And, and we had to adjust a little bit. But, you know, I really thought that group was, was exceptional. Well, there's one play in particular. I remember Mike Rose, he's in space with a guy, really shifty guy. Guy makes a juke. He's which is that way, but comes back and gets him. Big play if he doesn't do that. Is that learned instinct combined? Yeah, you know, I, I think Michael's worked so hard from an athleticism standpoint, you know, who he is today to compared to where he was as a freshman and sophomore in our program. And, I, you know, I, I think nobody has transformed his body and has worked as hard as what Mike Rose has done to kind of put himself in this position to be able to be 255 pounds and be able to play in space. And, you know, you're talking Sam linebacker where you got to defend at times three-fourths of the field um, to being in the box and having to be a box backer and have to play ISOs and you have to play downhill in the zone game. And so, you know, I think Mike is just one of those unique talents that, um, you know, I think sometimes you, everybody talks about the interceptions a year ago, and those are all great. But, man, as the coach, you're seeing a guy that he's got the ability at times to shut down half the field because of his athleticism, but also come into the box and, and be a real physical presence. I think that's what makes him really special. Matt, Matt the decision you made in 2018 um, kind of set the trajectory for the, the rest of, you know, up to this date. Did you know back then, and I know what you yelled at me when you told me when you were running off the field but did you know that that game did you know that you were actually finding the quarterback of the future or was that just adrenaline coming coming from you yeah you know I, I think the one thing that we knew about Brock even in fall camp um that year in 18 is there was just this special quality that he brought to the table I think you know to me and I've said this a lot of the freshmen that have come in here and been transformational players they've had the ability to show up right away in fall camp they know who they are um, they have great confidence and to me they're not overwhelmed with the entirety of college football and Brock to be able to do that at the quarterback position I think that's really special and he showed that in fall camp to the point where I think you know we got to the end of fall camp and there there was a I think there was a buzz about man this Brock Purdy's got something really special about him and you know as the obviously when Kyle goes down and you know you're kind of meandering through that early part of the season of what's best for the team and trying to find the right rhythm you know I, I think when he went in and performed the way he did really kind of how he had practiced all fall camp and in, and certainly in the early part of fall fall season practice I think you knew there was something really special about man these are huge things for the future of our program having one guy that can kind of do exactly what we'd like to do on offense kind of along those lines um are high school kids better prepared to play right away today than they were I don't know however many years ago a long time ago yeah than I, you were maybe when you were coming out of high school oh I, I think physically in a lot of ways yes you know I, I think that the evolution of strength programs the evolution of you know there's 
you know, the ability of bigger, faster, stronger at a young age, nutrition. I think the advancements in those areas that I see, man, I, my daughter in eighth grade and watching what the, their coaches are asking them to do. I, I just think that there's so much more knowledge and advancement from physical maturity and growth that some of that has certainly allowed young guys to come in. But I still, I still think it comes down to the mental piece. In college football, it, everybody wants to build up uh, physical, it's all mental. It, it's mentally, number one, can you handle adversity? Can you handle failure? Can you handle when things don't go well in practice and the ability to overcome that really fast? I think you have to have great confidence in yourself. Um, the ability to not be intimidated and have enough courage to, to get better one day at a time. And man, we take our, all of ourselves back. That's what college football is so tricky is, man, you're 18, 19, 20 years old, and you're going through the evolution of growth as a human being and you're trying to find out who you are and let alone in this ultra competitive environment where you're trying to play a sport and it's demands your consistency it demands your perfection of craft and yet you're just trying to grow into to an adult and and be that way as a human so um i still think back to your question randy it, it really comes down to mentality i think you have to mentally be that and i don't think that's changed from when you know you were in high school to when i was in high school to, to when kids are in high school today you know it's it's what's your upbringing it's what do you stand for what are your value systems and you know and and i think the more mature you are into those areas the more ready you are to play in college football one, one more thing here on a totally different note what's going to define the two teams that play in the big 12 championship game i'm not asking who they're going to be obviously but just define them well, I, I think the, the biggest thing is the ability to overcome adversity. You know, I, I think that that probably more in this 2021 season is going to be defining of who is at the finish line, probably both in the conference races and the national races, as well as anybody. And I, I just think there's there's so much going on. There's been so much going on in the offseason, uh, the changes that are going on coming off of COVID, all these things that are going on. I still think it's the team that can stay together the team that's got the ability to overcome adversity and have the maturity to continue to grow and get better. And I, I think it'll be the teams that are playing the best at the end of the season um, that probably will be the, the last one standing. Statistically, Spencer Sanders' numbers aren't eye-popping, yet they're 6-0. What type of challenges does he pose for a defense, especially with the experience that he brings? Well, I, I think very similar to our, our quarterback, you know, is is there is great consistency in the way he's playing right now. Um, he, he has got great understanding of the system, um, elite athlete. You know, he can make you pay fast with his feet. And maybe he's got the quickest release of any college quarterback in the country right now. The ability for him to get the ball out of his hands and know where that ball is going is exceptional. So, um, you know, certainly per you know, presents an unbelievable challenge in terms of what we're doing. And then you, you put the nail on the head in terms of the guys around him. He's got really good players around him. And, you know, I think that's kind of what Oklahoma State's always done a great job of putting great playmakers around their quarterback and allowing those quarterbacks to be efficient with the ball. Matt, when, when top 10 teams come to Jack Trice, is there a different kind of buzz? Do you sense that? And do you preach to your guys maybe about the opportunity that's in front of them on Saturday? Yeah, not really. You know, I, I think we, we just kind of continue to try to take care of ourselves. You know, I, I think that's been, you know, really our MO. Um, we've really tried to kind of hone in on 
on self-awareness and areas that we got to get better. And, you know, there'll be big games and whether this is a big game or not, there'll be one probably next week too or the week after that. And so you just keep playing and, you know, really don't worry about those things. You try to learn and grow from successes and failures and then just try to be the best version of yourself each Saturday. Aishim Young might be one of the most physical safeties I've watched on Saturdays. What stands out about him and who would you compare him to from maybe years past that mm. you've seen? Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know if we've had anybody quite as physical as Aishim is, you know, at least during my tenure here. But, uh, you know, I, I just think his he is fearless. He, he's got this great power that he's got the ability to possess at the point of contact. And, you know, I think that really does make him special. I do think one area that, that, that Aishim's really great at is he's got great anticipation he really does an unbelievable job of being able to track the football and you know I think the position he plays allows that to happen freely um, but I, I really think his ability to be where he's supposed to be when he's supposed to be there is exceptional I think that's really helped him allow the physical traits to show up and then I've noticed pregame over the years you and coach Gundy have maybe some of the longest midfield meetings mm -hmm. one do you enjoy the coaches meeting pregame and what do you and coach Gundy tend to talk about or what do you converse about in those if you don't mind sharing a little bit yeah I enjoy his meetings before the game you know um, I, I, I just you know to me I got a lot of respect for coach Gundy again you know I think what he's done the consistency he's done it with um, and and I really think what he what he has stood for in terms of building a program I, I it's awesome you know and I think he's got a great feel for this conference and, you know, he's also got great wit. So, you know, I do. I appreciate what he stands for. Coach, when you mentioned adversity, I thought about you didn't have many penalties on Saturday, but I think you had a false start in that long drive, mm -hmm. overcame that. You had to hold it kind of a key point. I think you overcame that. But, I mean, early in the season, those kind of feel like backbreaking things, and yet you guys responded. How much better has your team, through going through so much, responding now to all that? Yeah, you know, I, I just think that's so much of like, man, that that's part of growing, you know, and 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 I don't care what season it is or how it's going to be, like, those are things that are going to happen, and 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 from our ability to not only to respond to it, I think, you know, you're you're right, we were second and 17 on Saturday night. And, you know, that's Brock makes the play down the field. Um, and, you know, you got a freshman that makes a big time catch. Brock makes a perfect throw and you overcome it. And, you know, as much as we want to be perfect and I can sit here and talk to him blue in the face about winning in the margins and knowing that the reality is bad things are going to happen. Like it's co it's college football. It's going to happen and happens in professional football. But can you respond to that? And do you have enough courage to respond to it? And do you have enough guys that, man, you don't get rattled when it does go wrong? That, to me, has been the biggest difference as we've grown is I've seen us steady the ship a little bit, and I've seen our confidence grow of, hey, you know what? Like, he's right. Things are going to go wrong. We got the ability to overcome it, and we're good enough to overcome it. And the ability to, for guys to stand up and make the plays to overcome it. So, you know, I, I think as much as anything, that part is probably really rewarding to see our guys really buying into that and the leadership of our on the field really starting to take over. To go back to your answer about the teams that will make the title game will be the teams that overcome adversity. Do you get the sense at the top of the league there's more adversity early in the season than most years? I mean, you look. You guys have a couple losses. Baylor's loss. Oklahoma's had a high-profile quarterback change, and then even Oklahoma State undefeated, but had some really close games early. Man, I mean, I don't even know if it's just our league. I, I think you look around college football, like, isn't it everywhere? I mean, I, I don't know where it's not happening, and and 
and where it'll only continue to happen, to be honest with you. I think our, our year will only get crazier um, from every way, shape, and form. And, you know, I, I, I think I felt like I saw that coming from a mile away in terms of 2021. And you, you come off a year where everybody's kind of in their hold up and everybody's under unique and different situations. And then, man, the world is exploding. And, you know, you just got so much stuff going on. So I, I, I think we haven't even hit the tip of the iceberg of where craziness looks like in college football. And, you know, can you just keep your head down, keep improving? And, you know, what it takes to be successful isn't changing. It's just the environment around college football that continues to evolve and change. And, you know, if you can stay with your head down and keep keep improving, then I think you'll be where you need to be when you need to be there. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Did, no, you yeah, want? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, last week, I talked to Mike Rose, and he mentioned this season seems like it's really been flying by. It's whole career it seems like it's been forever, but it's flown by at the same time. You talked to these seniors over the last six games here about enjoying these moments a little bit more because this is this could potentially be the last time on the field for some of these guys. Man, you really, I do. And you know, we talked a lot about that. You know, even last Friday night before. Um, you know, the Kansas State game, knowing we're coming off a bye. And now, man, I know after the game was really the midway point, but I felt like that bye week was the midway point and we're kind of on a downward sprint from here. And, you know, when you, when you got so many of these guys that you care about greatly and, you know, I think you is you know that this is going to fly by. We're going to be in January like that. And you, you want them to enjoy the time that they have together. And I do think regardless of the winning, the losing, it is a really special group of human beings. And I think this group being together, guaranteed together, you know, six more opportunities in, in two more months, man, I just, I think for them to enjoy each other and, you know, continue to fight for each other. And I think that's what, you know, I think it's hard to find unity in our world today, like true unity, unity, the to put your your you know yourself you know above others and kind of put your ass on the line for something you know I think it's hard to hard to find that anywhere and you know these guys get a chance to continue to do that so um, it's a group that's really done that for a long time and I, I appreciate them so yeah we talk about that a lot all right guys thanks